You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast, where we wear matching hats. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We've got a big Joe Burrow update coming for you today. We've got three days of practices to try to catch up on. The Bengals are off on Monday, so we have a little bit of wiggle room here, James, as we try to catch up on everything. We're going to start with that Joe Burrow update. Part two of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on on the interior of the offensive line. Quentin Spain has been missing with a little minor injury for a couple days, and there have been some interesting combinations starting at guard for the Bengals the last couple days. We're going to wrap up with some injury notes on some of the more prominent players on the team who are dealing with some injuries, and we'll get a kicker update because you know what? I'm impressed with the Bengals' fifth-round kicker, and I've talked a lot of smack about using a pick in the draft on a kicker, and today I'm going to say nice things about Evan McPherson, but we're going to start with Joe Burrow, who, according to Zach Taylor, James, will not play officially will not play in preseason game one specifically didn't roll out the whole preseason, but game one sounds like has been decided. And that's fair. I don't think that's a shock to anybody, right? Why roll him out there on August 14th when you have two more preseason games. And if you do decide to get him some preseason reps, you, you have that opportunity. So not a shock at all, but uh, certainly something that I'm happy that, one, Brian Callahan basically said Saturday. Zach Taylor confirmed it Sunday. And uh, I, I do think that it's it, it's almost good that you're not going to do that because it would almost feel rushed. And I don't want to feel rushed, especially when there's a lot of uncertainty, which we'll get to in segment two, surrounding this offensive line. Yeah, there are certainly some questions on the offensive line. And if you know the, Joe's not feeling 100% comfortable, which he said, although – Things looked up a little bit in practices on Saturday and Sunday. We'll talk about that here in just a second. You would want to be 100% on the offensive line and say Trey Hopkins isn't ready to go or, you know, Quentin Spain isn't ready to go next weekend. It doesn't really make sense to put Joe Burrow out there against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, regardless of who they're playing. If you're not pretty confident in the unit, you can put in front of him. And James, I was thinking about this. I know that the the trend right now seems to be, if I'm reading between the lines, that Joe Burrow may get some time in preseason game two. That seems to be the way things are kind of looking right now. If you if you look at the implications of, of the way people are talking and Joe's real consistent desire to play in preseason games. But the more I think about it, the more I think don't play him in preseason games. I know we talked about it on, I I think Friday's episode, it might've been Thursday's episode when we went back and forth about whether he should play and you can make a good argument that says he should. But for me, given the history of ACL injuries in the world, given what's going on in, in terms of the preseason, generally not counting, it would be nice if he could play in the preseason games. I just don't think it's worth it. I just don't think it's worth it. Give him all the time he needs in, in camp to feel as comfortable as possible. And sure, maybe game one's a little rocky, but you got to take the long-term view here. And that's kind of what led me to conclude the way I did. If he plays, I get it. 
like I said, I see the argument, but the more I've thought about it, the more I've kind of continued down the path I was on last time we talked that he shouldn't. Yeah, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if it is that route and they go that route, especially if he plays like he did on Saturday in 11 on 11s, steps into throws, looks comfortable, looks confident, throws a, I, I won't say a laser, but just an on-point pass on third and 15 to Jamar Chase. It was just a, a you know a perfect ball, what you would expect from him, precise, uh, despite having a rush around him. And then he, find, or then he hits T. Higgins uh, with a ball that, honestly, if he let him a little bit more, maybe T. wouldn't have had to high point it like he did. That being said, such a, a highlight reel catch from Higgins. So you'll take that all day long. So there are flashes. There are signs on Sunday during some red zone stuff. Looked really good. He did. He connected with Tyler Boyd for a couple touchdowns and was uh, was just looking more like himself. So if by the end of uh, you, you know practice next week or the week after, it looks like, oh, Burrow's ready to go, well, then he might not need preseason. <laughs> uh, my concern is, is him going out there when things do matter and do count. And, yeah, I don't care about the game. Zach Taylor's lost 25 games in two years. They're used to losing, so it's not about that individual game. I just want number nine comfortable when it's real. And that I, I think is big. And it's something that this coaching staff, it's something that uh, he's going to have to gauge and, and continue through this process. And he admitted he's not all the way back yet mentally, but uh, I think the past couple of days have been steps in the right direction for sure. Yeah. When he, even when he's talking about, you know, things are a little sped up for me right now. I'm not feeling the, the pocket as well as I'm used to. I have to see it. You talked about it when you went on the radio after Saturday's practice. I listened, by the way, I tuned in to 700 when you were on. Mm-hmm. Heard you talk about that quote from Mr. Burrow. Yeah, he, he's not comfortable yet because he doesn't have that sixth sense that he's used to having. And if that starts to come back and he starts to feel more comfortable, you know, they put Brian Callahan and Dan Pitcher around him on every throw he made on Saturday, as was pointed out by many beat writers, just to stimulate, you know, there are guys around me, there are guys near my knees. I need to be able to handle that as a quarterback. I totally get where Joe Burrow is coming from and needing to feel more like himself. And I think he's starting to take those steps, right? On Saturday, he talked about the very successful long touchdown drive that featured a fourth and five conversion, that fade pass to T. Higgins. You talked about that third and 15 conversion, not a whole lot on the other two drives, but you take a long extended efficient drive from Joe Burrow when you get it especially on the heels of his comments and in front of fans, that's got to bolster confidence a little bit on Sunday. There's a clip that's going around out there where he pulls the ball down. There's a little bit of pressure. Mike Jordan working at right guard, getting bull rushed by Sam Hubbard. We'll talk about Mike Jordan playing right guard in segment (laughs) two, but Burrow after pulling the ball down a couple of times steps up and, and scrambles. And this is apparently the first time he's done that and taken off upfield during a practice so some fans were heartened by that that he was moving well enough and confident enough to kind of tuck it and run so maybe some some big steps forward after he expressed where he was at in that press conference and and then had two good practices in front of fans it sounds like this weekend yeah it was certainly an encouraging couple of days and even that scramble that you mentioned it looked Oddly similar since it was right up the middle to the one that he had week one against the Chargers last year that ended in a touchdown. And um, 
look, he, he looks the part still, right? He looks like he can still move and run and cut all that stuff like he did. I think the athleticism's still there. It's just uh, the confidence and the sure of himself. And hopefully this has given him a little bit more confidence uh, over the past couple of days, having some success, being able to hit T Higgins downfield, having some team success in 11 on 11, because they hadn't like, it's not like Burrow. I post videos all the time and clips. He looks fine on air. As he said, when he's just throwing to receivers, even seven on seven, he's been fine at times, but 11 on 11 has been brutal. And it's not just him. It was the offense as a whole, but that starts with him. And I think they took, some big steps forward. He took some big steps forward and hopefully now they can maintain it. Uh, Unfortunately, I think that uh, that question isn't just about Joe Burrow. It's about what's in front of Joe Burrow, which is uh, uh, there's a lot there that we're going to have to dive into. Yeah. Let's get into that conversation probably coming up next because the combinations that we're seeing at guard are intriguing to say the least. And some of Zach Taylor's comments on Sunday in particular about the candidates for this guard spot, I found to be pretty interesting as an unlikely candidate has been with that first unit two days in a row. Do you know 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really that surprising? I know I've gotten my tail kicked in on daily fantasy. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts. They have more time. You don't stand a chance. Well, now you do with Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works Stat Hero shows their lineups and dares you to beat them. You see the lineup and you go head to head, name your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. All you got to do is go to stathero.com slash locked on and sign up for free right now. You can get three times back on your first play with going there. Again, stathero.com slash locked on. They're giving a 300% match. That's unheard of. So go to stathero.com slash locked on. We could use a hero, James. A hero to step in and patch up this depth on the interior of the offensive line. Quentin Spain missing time with injury. That's fine. Doesn't sound like it's anything serious. Expect that he should be good to go for the regular season. And and if it was a regular season, maybe we'll be practicing, maybe not hard to say, but the, the combination that we got on Saturday and Sunday featured Mike Jordan at guard and switching sides. So he's played left guard almost exclusively for his time in Cincinnati was working at right guard in practice the last couple of days with Deontay Smith, the former tackle who made some low lights, I guess you could say, going against Sam Hubbard the other day in one-on-ones at right tackle, moving over to left guard. And it sounds like Deontay Smith actually has flashed a little bit at left guard, has has shown some, some things at left guard. And is somebody that Zach Taylor in particular, I think Brian Callahan as well, this offensive coaching staff in general is very pleased with notably that he's made his weight, that he's hit his weight milestone. Zach Taylor points out and Zach Taylor using that as proof that, you know, Deontay Smith, a real pros pro he's handling his business. He's hitting his goals. And with him getting time in front of Jackson Carmen, you kind of wonder, is that sending a message 
to the second round pick. If the fourth round pick from tackle, I guess Jackson Carmen was also a tackle, is now getting time at guard ahead of you in these padded practices. Yeah, you, you certainly wonder and, and you, you question a lot here. In, in Here's the, the positive. Let's start with that. Uh, Deontay Smith has hit all of his weight goals, as you mentioned. Zach Taylor pointed that out. Maybe you're right. That has an underlying point about Carmen, but let's just leave him out of it for a second. Talk to Smith after practice. He's up to 320 pounds. We know he's got the long arms, the long wingspan, and apparently he's just been really coachable and, and willing to, to listen and do whatever it takes to, to make it, which is what you need when you're a fourth-round pick out of ECU, even if you got the, the body type or the long arms or the potential. To realize it, you're going to have to uh, do all of the little things, and it seems like Smith is willing to. Now, does that mean that Jackson isn't? I don't know about that. Here's what I do know is Smith is clearly ahead of Jackson Carmen right now. And that man, I could you imagine if I would have said that a month ago, just a month ago, it would have been like, are you kidding James? Like, no way. Well, that, that's the case right now. But I do question this part of it. Cause so there's the positive. The positive is Smith looks, looks good. Is it a good weight? And, uh, and who knows, right? Maybe he does continue to impress as the preseason starts. The negative with this is they were already thin at tackle with Smith playing tackle. And now you're giving him reps at guard. And, and you know, maybe they do find the best five of Zach Taylor said, and, and maybe Deontay Smith is in there, but this is just, it's tough. It, it seems like they need to just find someone. They need to go get someone else just to, to help in this area because Michael Jordan should never be starting for this team. And somehow he's getting a ton of reps with the one still at right guard. And I get it. He's still young. Good God. Are we doing this again for a third year? Like with, it, that, That's just surprising. He's playing ahead of Xavier Sofila, who is an injured, right? Deontay Smith getting reps ahead of Xavier Sofila. And the argument might be, oh, well, a veteran like Xavier, you know what you're getting. You need to see these other guys. Okay, I guess. But how long does that experiment last? How long until you get the, the starters together? There's just so many levels to this. And we're talking about guys like, like Fred Johnson. He's going to be, uh, you know, he's still dealing with the injury. When he comes back, I don't feel great about the tackle room. It's not like it's like, oh, yeah, Fred Johnson. Yeah, like it's just question marks, question marks, question marks. And, uh, you know, Deontay Smith outperforming your second round pick that you were really, really high on. That, uh, that, that's another one of those question marks and, and has me at least scratching my head a bit. Yeah, we'll have to see how this all pans out, I guess. That, that's the one thing. Like, As with Joe Burrow's rough practices, we probably shouldn't draw too many conclusions from a couple of practices over the weekend. But if this continues throughout the week and it remains Mike Jordan getting those first team reps and then he's starting you know, against Tampa with Allen at quarterback, then... What what is going on with Xavier Suafila? And and what is going on with Jackson Carmen that these guys can't beat out Mike Jordan, who we've seen struggle and have seen struggle in camp as well. I mean, there hasn't been a ton of video, but I have seen some. And that scramble that I talked about earlier is probably actually a sack for Sam Hubbard working against Mike Jordan. And it, you know, it's a it's a positive for Burrow because he pulls the ball down, he 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 finds a positive play. But he, one, couldn't find anybody open, as Joe Goodberry has pointed out on Twitter. And two, it's probably a sack that if Sam Hubbard doesn't let up on the play, right, and let Mike Jordan off the hook because he he wins that battle considerably. So I guess 
you've seen more than I have. Was that just a, a bad example? Or I know there have been false start issues with Deontay Smith and Jackson Carmen with Joe Burrow working in his cadence, which Brian Callahan is very fond of. But has has that been representative of Mike Jordan? Or do you think that he's taken a step? What are your observations there? I've seen nothing in in the that that would convince me that he's better now than he was. And now I'm sure he is, right? He's in better shape. So I guess I could say that. Uh definitely looks like he's in better shape, but it's not like there's been any pop where even in one-on-ones, right? Where it's like, oh, look at that rep. Or, you know, and I, I posted video and tweeted it out on Sunday of of some one-on-ones. So check it out. I mean, I, I there's a, a good rep from Billy Price, you know, so it's not like and I don't think Billy Price is a starting level lineman. But my point is, is you can notice the good reps pretty quickly. I don't remember saying that about Michael Jordan at all. Might have missed that one. Might have looked down when he went uh, and, and, and had a pretty good rep or two. But yeah, it's uh, it, that part is is concerning or more concerning than Deontay Smith. Because to me, I think they they really like his physical tools and his attitude. And due to injuries, they're like, ah, let's try him at guard here and just see. And it doesn't look bad. You mentioned Smith fall starting. He did have a false start on, on Saturday, uh, but he, he seems to have adjusted. And, uh, in, overall, I thought he was okay at guard. Now, does anyone feel comfortable with Smith potentially starting at left guard week one against the Vikings? I'm going to need to see a lot more. And the good news is, is there's plenty of time to see that a lot more, uh, over the next couple of weeks with the preseason and obviously more training camp practices. So we'll see, but uh, yeah, the Jordan one is the the one had, that has me scratching my head a lot. I thought he was it should honestly have been on the roster bubble at this stage, uh, you know, coming into camp. And instead, it's not roster bubble. It's is he going to start? Like what what year is it? Like what are we doing? And, and let me ask you this, Jake. Um, and it was something some of the the media members were uh, discussing. Does it feel like they're tinkering with the offensive line? And I know they've had some injuries. But Jim Turner was known for tinkering with the offensive line, and that was kind of his thing. It seems like they're tinkering quite a bit for a non-Jim Turner-led offensive line room. I feel like I said this on this podcast in the last two weeks several times. Like They keep trying these different combinations, and some of it's due to injury and is understandable. But some of it is... like did, Did Mike Jordan do something to earn that opportunity? Maybe he had a good day. And Jackson Carmen was having the false start issues, but then why not Xavier Suofilo? Has he really been so bad that that we're trying Mike Jordan at a new position again, or has Mike Jordan been so good? And I mean, maybe, maybe in the coach's eyes, maybe he's doing stuff that that they like, and he and he earned a couple days to try to show what he's got. And it could be okay early in camp, but I, I think I've said this before. After I'll I'll just put a date on it now. After the first preseason game. I would like for that first team offensive line to be pretty well figured out. And if you need to figure out who the backups are in a couple spots, fine. But we got to find the cohesion. If if we're the Bengals at this point on that offensive line, and that's been a struggle for them. And it was a struggle under Jim Turner. And you're right. It has continued. And it's something that I noticed right away when camp started. And, and we started talking about this the first time. So it certainly continued. And again, some of that due to injury, we have some other injury notes that we should get to and that kicker update that I promised. And we'll go there coming up next. Jackson Carmen off to a slow start to his NFL career. Someone 
needs to get my man some built bars because look, it doesn't matter if you're an NFL lineman or you're working in an office, built bars are the number one protein bar on the planet. I had multiple listeners of Locked On Bengals over the weekend mention built bars, which was awesome at camp, by the way, because one, I get to see you guys in person again. Two, the the fact that you listen and you're, you're buying built bars and I had a, I, and I forget the gentleman's name. I actually don't know if I got it, Jake, but he was like, we're a built bar family because we listen to Locked On Bank. And it looked it. They all looked like they were in great shape. So if you haven't tried built bars yet, you need to. They're high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories. And you're going to save money right now with promo code LOCKED15 at builtbar.com. You're going to get 15% off. Again, LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Not only Built Bar, but we've also got Bet Online for you today. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The Reds, 10 games over 500 at the time of recording. For the first time in what feels like forever, if you think they're going to make a playoff run, you can get in on that action at betonline.ag. They've got the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sports betting needs. They've even got UFC and MMA covered as well. So go check out those real-time updated odds. They've got news for you all in the same place and get into the game as the Reds try to make their playoff run and as Joe Mixon tries to overcome 16-1 to odds to lead the NFL in rushing. We've got a 50% welcome bonus for you right now on your first deposit of BetOnline. Use promo code LOCKEDON when you sign up. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus for your, on your first deposit at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. James, injury news. Trey Hendrickson missing two days over the weekend. Doesn't sound like there's anything major. We don't know what the deal is. The report is he'll be back Tuesday. Trey Waynes also potentially expected back this week. So is Quentin Spain. Eli Apple continues to remain somewhat injured. And Ricardo Allen has now begun to miss some time. So nothing major. We, we had a scare yesterday a little bit with Marcus Bailey. He got carted off the field on Saturday. Turns out reportedly that was dehydration. He's okay. But nothing major, which I guess, you know, through two weeks of camp or so, We'll knock on wood and we'll take it. There's nobody that's expected to miss extended regular season time right now. I And I, I think back to last year's camp at this stage, and it's not the exact dates, but two weeks into camp of us covering camp, how many injuries were we talking about? I mean, it was a ton. It was a flood of injury after injury from A.J. Green to the defensive line, and, and it just it was a snowball effect. And, yeah, so far some minor things. I think – Zach Taylor's really trying to do whatever he can to make sure that they stay minor. And that's why you haven't seen Quentin Spain for a couple of days. Why Trey Hendrickson uh, has been out. He's on the field, by the way, moving around fine, joking. Doesn't look like it's anything serious. It's just, hey, I, I, I think they're taking the long-term view with a lot of these guys, including Trey Waynes, who was back out there, did some team stuff on Sunday for the first time, did individual drills on Saturday, some team stuff for Waynes, which was good to see because uh, he was off to a really good start, as was Eli Apple. And Apple's supposed to get back uh, later this week or, or this coming week, I guess. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're getting healthier, but nothing too, too serious. And really the, the two main ones that are, like, serious, serious, uh, and again, by this standard, right, so it's still not serious, but Fred Johnson out probably for another week, and then the same thing goes – 
uh, for Ricardo Allen out for a week, probably a little more than a week, because Zach Taylor said at least a week. So we'll, we'll see with him. Yeah, and I think Ricardo Allen actually was in line for some sort of not insignificant role in certain sub packages on this team where they could potentially employ three safeties. And hopefully he gets back if that continues to be part of the plan, because I've actually heard some good things about Ricardo Allen early on, too. I think that the coaches like what they're seeing from him on defense. And Fred Johnson is probably between the two, the more concerning injury. He's had some injury issues in the past. He is currently being relied upon to be very important depth for this team. And we've had Riley Reef have a, have a scare. He had a ding. He's back out there. He's fine. He's been practicing. But Riley Reef, Jonah Williams, and then Fred Johnson, and, and maybe Deontay Smith, right? And we saw what happened with Deontay Smith's first exposure. I'm not saying that's what would continue to happen. He learned from it. He's getting better every day to say what the coaches would say about Deontay Smith, right? But this one really underlies the previous discussion we had about depth at offensive line, not just tackle, but I think also the interior where where you're seeing Mike Jordan being pushed up the depth chart in a way that you know we didn't necessarily expect. And I don't think there have been any particularly ple- pleasant surprises. I know Isaiah Prince was showing some things early on, but I haven't heard his name for a few days. So maybe that was short-lived. And I'm not sure where else the depth is coming from. I've heard Gunnar Vogel's name mentioned zero times. And that was a college free agent the Bengals have on the roster to play tackle. Keaton Sutherland, I don't think I've heard anything about him. I don't think I've heard about Trey Hill, Lamont Gilliard. I haven't really heard much about any of these guys that are kind of depth pieces that maybe could have shown something to make you feel better about the depth. And as a result, with these injuries showing up with Quentin Spain and, and Riley Reef and, and uh, Fred Johnson, it, it just kind of goes back to the thing we've been harping on lately, which is can we find a way – for this team to add some depth. Can the Bengals find a way if it's a free agent or a trade or something, and maybe it's later in camp to find a little bit more depth. They have to, <laughs> they have to, you know, it's just, it's so simple to me. And I think it's simple to uh, most, if not everyone that covers the Bengals, I don't want to speak for them, but I think they would agree. And so the Bengals have to know it. They do. And you're right. Maybe they want to wait and see, uh, when they can actually evaluate the, these other 90-man rosters and see if there's any offensive linemen in the back end that they could add uh, to increase that depth. But to me, they haven't built up enough equity for me to to say, oh, well, yeah, they'll find a, a guy and they'll find a piece. They'll, right now, Jackson Carmen's uh, giving you nothing and, and hasn't shown enough. So there's no way he's going to even be able to play tackle for you if, you know, if he's – struggling right now with being a, you know, a second team guard, Deontay Smith, you're right. The huge question mark there, Fred Johnson, certainly unproven. Like you just got to find someone. And I, I think there are guys out there that we've talked about. And unfortunately uh, they didn't, uh, and they haven't, at least yet, they haven't added one. Uh, It could happen though, for sure. Uh, I'm sure it's more complicated than we think it is. It, It does seem simple. You're right. It seems like, yeah, just go get somebody. And obviously, you know, there, there's more to it than that. But let's get to a positive note to finish things up, shall we? I have talked a lot about the fact that you shouldn't draft a kicker. The Bengals drafted a kicker. And immediately, 
I got tweets about, oh, this kid's going to be the next Justin Tucker. Or what if he's the next Justin Tucker? And my initial response to that was, don't, don't do this to Evan McPherson. Let Evan McPherson be Evan McPherson and let's see what he's going to be. I, I still kind of maintain that uh, the data, the, the overwhelming data suggests that you don't do better at drafting kickers, generally speaking, than you do as finding them as undrafted free agents. Generally speaking, NFL teams are roughly 50-50 at both. And it doesn't matter if you spend the draft capital or you find them as free agents. But I will say this, what I've heard out of training camp about Evan McPherson so far has been pretty impressive. He's making kicks consistently. He's making kicks from 50 plus. And the big question for him was always going to be consistency because I think we knew he had a pretty big leg and he's been showing that power consistently throughout camp. But the consistency with, with, he, with which he is making field goals has been pretty impressive. And I think if there is a competition with Seibert missing a few more field goals than McPherson has, McPherson is firmly in the lead before preseason games. No doubt about it. He, he's certainly number one. He was three for three on Sunday. Um, Seibert only got two attempts. He did make both of those. But what I thought was cool is they were doing the, the hurry up drill at the end and it was a very special teams laden practice but you have to jog out there quick the clock's running five four three two kick and he made it just like he's made mo most of the other one i mean i think he's missed two two or three field goals all camp i mean and, and you're talking about probably 30 30 plus attempts right now and i'd have to go back and look and, and see exactly it, you know if i have every single one in line right or not but i, I think that's a about right so he's playing really well and uh, I just think you, you look at him and you listen to the ball and you see how accurate he is. And it's not just field goals. I mean, he's a he's great kickoff. Uh, he's good on kickoffs, too. So I think it's his job to, to lose. I don't think he's going to lose it. And in a perfect world, and I'm going to continue to speak it into existence, Austin Seibert kicks well and kicks his way into some trade value because who doesn't love a seventh-round pick? Yeah, let's get a fifth-round pick. Let's pull a... Minnesota Vikings, Baltimore Ravens. That was the first thing we talked about. Let's pull Akari Vedvik, right? Let's get some let's get some draft picks for a kicker that's not gonna make the team. Anyway, good news on Evan McPherson. I am happy if he turns in to the next great kicker in the NFL. If he's Justin Tucker, I'm not complaining about it. And I'll be happy to eat crow. The the whole point I'm making with don't draft kickers is you're just as likely to to hit the kicker outside of the draft and in the draft. But hey, if they hit the kicker, that's what's important because you can't leave points on the field because or games on the field in some cases because your kicker gets a calf cramp at the wrong time. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with some updates on some of the rookies that have been out there in training camp, some Joseph Osai talk potentially, some Jamar Chase talk. We didn't talk about Jamar Chase once today. Plenty of guys to talk about that we didn't get to today with three practices and the Bengals being off tomorrow. So looking forward to getting you those updates then. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.